This is First Nature, Episode 17 on the Rising Man Podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Berry, your host on First Nature, part of the Rising Man podcast. And thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to drop into uh, a share I recorded out here just uh, just outside of Santa Cruz. And uh, we're going to drop into a topic uh, I haven't really got that much into. And uh, because it's a, it's a little triggering, climate change, let's just say it, climate change. Uh, that covers a really wide, wide uh, bandwidth of you know, thoughts and feelings and science and hearsay and, and all kinds of stuff. But here's the thing. Uh, this channel, this podcast, First Nature, is all about connecting with nature. And it's high time, I know for myself, I've been kind of holding back on it because I, I don't want to, I, just, I don't want to, you know, rub people the wrong way. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. But climate change is part of our nature connection journey. In fact, I would go as far as to say that it's you know climate change, the effect that we're having on the environment, because we are having an effect. Now, I'm not going to get into the science about how much we're affecting what's happening now, but we have an effect. What I'm going to talk about today is really just a call. It's a call. It's a query. It's a it's a inv- invitation. It's a request to really start looking at what our individual responsibility is in healing and mending this gap between how we see ourselves as humans and how we see the earth and the rest of life and everything else that earth is as something separate than ourselves and how that's led us to where we are today on this fantastic, you know, multi, I don't know, 250,000 year journey as homo sapiens, right? And that doesn't include all the uh, hominids that came before us for millions of years. This, this journey of the hominid and all the different uh, iterations that have come before us, homo sapiens. And now here we are with our amazing capacity to observe and uh, to consciously look at ourselves, observe ourselves, observe our surroundings. Okay, that's enough. That's the intro. Uh, before we jump in, I just also like to remind uh, men, especially if you're, you know, if this kind of stuff is coming up for you and um, <clears throat> you find yourself having uh, challenges, just ha- finding people to have the right conversation with around, well, how do we, how do we, how do we change our paradigm? How do we change the way we think? How do we uh, take on this challenge of transformation so that we can perceive ourselves in the world in a different way? on behalf of the next generations coming up so they have an example so we can start being the example that they need to look up to to see how to do things differently that's really challenging work especially when so many of us are needing to participate in the paradigm and in the systems that are out there just to live our lives so yeah how do we actually be in the system and also try to change our paradigm to understand a different way to do it and not be in these systems that are slowly uh you know wrecking the world for us so uh Go to risingman.org. There are several programs. Just go to the programs tab and, and just look, right? So it's coming towards the end of the year. Most of the big programs are kind of winding down. But uh, I really encourage you to get into a fire circle or just join the brotherhood. There's a couple telegram threads. There's an opportunity to just be in conversation with other men, to get into a small group with other men, all of who are you know, doing the work to transform the paradigm that they were born into and to discover what their true authentic mission in this world is and what their gift is and how to actually step out into the world and give that gift in a way that changes the world, uh, at least for our kids, right? It's going to be hard to do it for us. We're on a slippery slope. But um, if we can start making changes now, then uh, you know, hallelujah for our children and their children. So check it out, risingman.org, and um, I'll see you on the other side. I hope you enjoy it.
I'm out in the hills above Pescadero, California, just outside of Santa Cruz. Out on a trail, it's a beautiful day. And uh, I like to come out and do this podcast in nature, in context, in context if I can, because, you know, I talk about the value, importance, and the the passion I have about, you know, feeling connected, feeling in harmony around being a part of this planet, being connected to the very source that allows us to be alive. And uh, I recognize that as I talk about those things, um, it's important to come through with a certain authenticity, a a certain, uh, I'm aware that sometimes my own desires and interests for people to get what I'm getting can get involved uh, in what I'm sharing. So doing it from out in nature really helps me stay just, uh, it's, it's, I'm present in the moment. I'm looking at nature. I'm in, I'm feeling the sun on my face. I'm hearing a few birds crunch of the dry grass under my feet. And uh, I'm not, I'm not conjuring the idea of nature connection in this moment. I'm actually experiencing it and talking about it as I experience it. And my hope is that uh, the authenticity, the integrity of that direct transmission comes through in these podcasts. I'm not always able to do that, but uh, when I can, I, I do. I want to thank Evan Steele, a friend of mine in the Rising Man community. We had a really good conversation the other day, phone conversation, and uh, a lot of what I'm going to drop into today is uh, still with me from that conversation. And uh, I think, Evan, you should come on the podcast soon. We can do a conversation together and continue that that there. But for today, um, what this basically boils down to, to today is... Uh, Let me put it this way. There's you, there's me, there's you know most of the people we know. There's our general sense of reality in the world. People we know, our families, that live a pretty good standard of life, right? Now, to one degree or another, yours may be modest, mine might may be modest. But in general, if you're living in America, the United States, or any other kind of first world, or even second world country, as it said, um, you know, your needs are being met pretty well. You're able to, you know, you, if you're living here anyways, and you're, you got the time and the wherewithal to tune into a podcast like this, it's probably because most of your stuff's covered. You got a vehicle that runs well. Um, you can afford gas. You have a, a job or uh, some kind of support to pursue the things you want to do with your life. Um, you've got a place to live that has indoor plumbing and heating and air conditioning. Obviously, you've got some kind of, you know, electronic device for communications or more than one. Um, you've got friends that you go out and socialize with, meals, time out, doing things, you know. You've got uh, pursuits and hobbies. Um, buy the clothes you want for the most part. You're doing it right. We have a pretty good lifestyle. And uh, if you're t- to just do the math on how many people in the world are living at your standard of lifestyle or thereabouts, it's not really that many. It's small compared to the nearly 8 billion people in our, on our planet right now. And for the rest of those 8 billion people, they are striving to have a better life, a better standard of living. They are hoping to achieve at least the standard of life that we are living. And even us, we tend to think that our standard of living isn't enough. We want more, whatever that looks like. More time to do the things we want to do, more money to have the things we want to have. Um, And then it just keeps going on up the ladder. I'm drawing attention to to this because if you look at our situation with the climate today, and uh, I'm not really that concerned in this conversation about where you fall on, you know, reconciling how much humans are involved with changing our climate. Um, I don't think there's any scientists alive right now that will deny the truth of that. But the point of this conversation is that um, to the effect of resources that 
our industries use that enable us, you and me, to live the lifestyles that we live. The small number of us that are actually living that lifestyle are using up the resources and, uh, and not taking care of the planet in a way that will actually allow the rest of the world to get here, if that makes sense. Um, so for instance, if you consider all the different industries, our food industry, our clothing industry, our technology industry, our transportation industry, our uh, you know, housing industry, our power and electricity industries, uh, if we just wanted to double the number of people that can live the way we live, you and I, you know, just to greet one other person from below our standard of living up to our level of standard of living, that means that the entirety of all our industries would need to double 200%. And already, I mean, just the water issue alone tells you that that is not possible the way that we are doing life, right? The way that we achieve this standard of living is not sustainable, even for us, let alone those who are pursuing this standard of living for themselves, let alone, you know, everyone on the planet. So why I'm talking about this is because uh, this is something I've been, I've been working with on myself, really trying to get in touch with where my idea for my standard of living came from. All the messaging and beliefs and uh, you know, ideas and concepts about the, the type of life I should be living came from and how much I've attached my feelings to them, my feelings of fulfillment, my feelings of purpose, my feelings of participation and what community means and what friendships mean and, and what living a good life means. And I've started to deconstruct them because what I'm realizing is that, uh, I, you know, the last two years I've been living here in Santa Cruz has, has been a downsizing, a paring down of my lifestyle, right? So I'm living in a yurt now. I don't have central, I have electricity, um, but I don't have indoor plumbing. Um, I have a composting toilet. My shower is outside. Uh, I heat the yurt with wood. Um, and I don't commute for work, so I'm not in my vehicle burning a lot of gas. Um, it's a smaller town, so in general, my running errands and socializing is in a smaller area. And my income has shrunk a lot in the last two years. So it's made me uh, have to reconsider what potential I'm actually capable of, just by the fact that I am not generating an income that would create the lifestyle I once envisioned for myself. And that's been really uh, good work for me to do. What it's given me is a lot more time to be outdoors. I already spent a lot of time outdoors prior to that, but because I don't work regularly, I don't have a lot of money to go and just be busy doing stuff that costs money. Uh, I've just had a lot more options, opportunities and options to just go outside, hike around, get down to the beach, get on these trails. And what I'm realizing is how much uh, connection and peace and well-being and fulfillment I experience when I'm just out in nature. And I hike a lot by myself almost all the time. Uh, but I go out with, in nature with an intention of an, an awareness of trying to connect with all the, the sentience out here, right? So I get off the trail a lot. I'm, I'm really listening to the birds. I'm really looking around for signs of life and uh, activity and really trying to use my awareness, my consciousness and all that I have as a human to reflect back to the earth, uh, just this desire to connect and be a part of. And whenever I come back in off the land, uh, I feel great. I don't, I'm not needing anything except for maybe somebody to share my story with, right? And then what happens is, you know, coming back to the car, getting into the car, going into intellectual mode where I've got to be cognizant of like how to drive a car, uh, rules of the road, moving at a speed that a human is not naturally possible, you know, for them to move at. 
coming into the city zone where there's traffic lights and, uh, and lots of interpretation, lots of signs, language, sounds, unnatural sounds, buildings, you know, unnatural structures. Uh, and that's where all of us spend the majority of our day is interacting in our modern world and how most of us are spending, we're, we're looking for that sense of calm, peace, belonging, connection, fulfillment and purpose in that modern world that we've created. We spend all our time in it trying to create that feeling within that world by all this doing, all this resource using. When the truth of the matter is, even if you're uncomfortable with the outdoors, and I've seen it because I've worked with a lot of people outdoors, kids, adults, I've been outdoors with people who have hardly ever been outdoors and they don't even want to sit on the ground. But eventually getting them out there enough Everybody comes back to comfort in nature. Everybody comes back to finding peace and fulfillment and calm in nature. It's just the truth. And it may take you a week, it may take you a year. And what I find phenomenal for myself and for these people that I've worked with is that if we're gonna to continue to you know, get through this time of great change, climactic change, cultural change, economic change, all the change that needs to happen. We're going to have to find a way to turn more towards looking at Earth as something we relate to, as a relationship, as part of the figuring. Uh, I said this before, I think, you know, the quote is attributed to Einstein. I don't know if it really was him because you know how the internet is, but the, the axiom is pretty true. You know, the, the, you can't use the same thinking that created a problem to create the solution. And what feels really true about that is, I mean, it's great that, that you know, countries and governments and people are beginning to wake up that we need to live life differently. And it's wonderful that our Congress was able to, to you know, pass this near $300 billion, you know, green environmental package to help start to remedy some of the systems that have created the problem. But that's all an attempt to maintain our, our standard of living and find some way to, you know, it's like trying to uh, patch the leaky boat once we're already out at sea and hope that it holds. As, as opposed to realizing that maybe we shouldn't be out at sea. <laughs> and uh, what I want to do in this conversation too is just try to link link each other to this challenge. This challenge that I've been doing for myself, which is really sitting with myself, being out here like, like I am right now in nature or in meditations or reading certain books or getting into certain conversations. And, and really, honestly, a lot of it's just observing. You know, I'm, my, my, my powers of, of observance are so high after I come in off a good hike, I get back into town and it's, the, the contrast is so, so obvious. And to just recognize that I have a choice to make because the goal of me as a human, my goal is to experience fulfillment, experience connection, experience peace, uh, experience safety and security, and uh, to, to recognize opportunities that are within my capacity and capability to pursue in order to you know, sustain my life. Now, that's kind of an obtuse way to say that uh, the way that I, I'm living today and the way that most of us live today in first world countries is not the only way we can live and have that same experience that we have of living a good life. Does that make sense? We have a lot of imprinting. You know, we have a lot of associations uh, if you think about going on vacation, if I say the word vacation to you, that immediately is going to create imagery in your mind and a way of, and, and a certain experience that you would anticipate, right? 
for most people, it means going somewhere tropical, you know, or getting actually getting out into nature a lot of the times. Sometimes it's like a, you know, a city somewhere in the world. But the sense of, you know, the, focusing more on the, the experience of a vacation. What is the experience of a vacation? How does it look and feel? And to know that the look and the feel is something that is, uh, yeah, if I want to make you laugh, if I say, let's have a good laugh, right? That's going to create an image in your, sen- in your mind too, a, a sense of what it is to laugh, right? Now, if you're usually associating laughs with irony, um, you're going to be expecting some kind of ironic, you know, story that illustrates an irony and that would make you laugh. But that's not the only way to laugh. I could tell you a joke. I could give you a pun, like a pun, and that could make you laugh too. And that might be a new way to make you laugh that you haven't encountered before. But if you still get the laugh, then, you know, you still get the experience. I don't know if that's quite as clear, but I, I think you can kind of get what I'm saying. And that sense is like, if we look at all the ways that we, we the visions and imagery we have and the feelings we attach to the visions and imagery in our life of what we expect our life to be based on these uh, conditions of fulfillment of what it means to be living a good life. Uh, if, we can ch- if we can look at those and learn how to detach the imagery and explore what other imagery we can put there instead and reattach our feelings to them. Well, I don't even say if we could, I'm saying that we need to, we need to. Um, And I'm saying that mostly because, you know, by all projections that I've come across, most Sciences are saying that by 2050, which is less than 30 years away, in, in your lifetime, in our lifetime, there's going to be close to 10 billion people on the planet. 10 billion people. All of them trying to get to a certain standard of lifestyle based on the messaging and imaging that has been given to them about what, what a good lifestyle is. And it's mostly coming from first world countries and it's mostly coming from people like you and me. So if we can't even really, if our resources and industries and ways of, and systems that we provide this lifestyle for the handful of us that have it now aren't able to even be doubled, uh, imagine what's going to be asked of those systems when we have 10 billion people. So one, we need to change the message. We need to change the vision. And two, that's something we need to do for ourselves. And I totally get it. Right now, you might be shaking your head. You might be uh, cursing. You might be about ready to uh, just quit out on this podcast. Uh, But I hope you don't. I hope you just recognize, just acknowledge whatever feeling you're having and just stay tuned in here. Because I'm not saying we have to go back to the Stone Age although I kind of like the idea. And I don't know what our ancient ancestors imagined for themselves what a better life would be when they started to get onto the technological path of making things faster and more convenient and, and always upping our experience of safety and security, right? Um, but... As I like to say, you can't tell someone who's high on heroin that heroin is bad for them. They're they just they're not going to get it in that state. So in the same way, I feel like so many of us, myself included, I rally against this all the time in my own head. I know that the lifestyle I am living is not a good lifestyle for the health of this planet, for the health of my, well, I don't have kids for the health of, health of my nieces and nephews, right? The youngest who is three right now. So that by the time they hit my age, there'll, there'll be 10 billion people on this planet. And I want that little one to have a different image, a different picture associated with what it means to be living a fulfilled, purposeful life that's connected and, and full of abundance. It, it can't look like the life that I'm trying to live 
or the life that you're trying to live or the life that people in lifestyle standards above ours are living. I mean, if you're not tracking the headlines um, between all the wildfires, the, uh, the West literally drying up, water shortages, uh, massive hurricanes, famines, floods, out of season tornadoes, heat waves, um, <laughs> yeah, we're having an impact. We're having an impact. What I'm excited about is <laughs> nature connection is, is in everyone's awareness now, for better or for worse. I would prefer to, that people would have got it in a more natural, gentle way. Uh, although it would have taken a long, long time to get people outside in that way. But everyone now is very acutely aware of our relationship to the planet. And and we see uh, top levels, the top levels, you know, the United States, the most, you know, quote unquote, powerful country in the world, actually devoting a huge, huge amount of budget and legacy to find ways to become more responsive to right living on this planet. And other countries are following suit. Other countries have been doing that. And yes, there are huge entities, multinational corporations and industries that are, they're like the Titanic. Um, we're, stuck, we're, on, we're on the ship. We got on the ship unknowing it was headed for an iceberg, right? And so, yeah, we can tidy up our room and clean up after ourselves in our little uh, ship cabin. But meanwhile, the ship's still going to hit the iceberg because it's just not going to turn in time. But I still urge you to tidy up your room, you know, put on your life, ja life jacket, uh, whatever. Uh, you know, this isn't meant to be a, a doom and gloom podcast, but I say that more to the effect of uh, if more of us are prepared to make the changes necessary, uh, maybe it's more than maybe the better, the better uh, allegory is uh, maybe we all need to get to one side of the ship to help it steer to the left quicker, right? If we all agree <laughs> that we're going to hit an iceberg and we all get to the one side of the boat to lean it a little bit into the turn, maybe we can't avoid it. But that requires action. That requires choices to be made. It requires you, you know, crossing from one side of the ship, aka your current lifestyle, to the other side of the ship, aka a, a different lifestyle that's more in line with the entire, you know, civilization as we know it, uh, you know, trying to soften the blow of the calamity that's very obviously heading our way. And, uh, yeah, so what's it going to take? My request, my challenge to you is to really take some time and I urge you to go out in nature. If you haven't been spending time out in nature, I can't tell you how important it is to do it more now than ever. It's one thing to think about this question uh, while you're sitting in traffic or uh, uh, you, you know, even in a park around the city block uh, or in the comfort of your home on the couch, you might come to some realizations, but actually taking yourself out somewhere, taking yourself, yourself out into a trailhead somewhere out on the land away from everything where you're not really seeing traffic or hearing cars or airplanes or seeing buildings somewhere where you're truly just ensconced in nature and then having this conversation with you, I think you'll get more clarity. Uh, there'll be a, a richer, more, you know, potent opportunity to, to, to learn and to, to lean into the, how, how are you going to reconcile this? How am I going to reconcile this? How am I going to reconcile that I've got a brain that is completely hooked on a concept about what humans are supposed to be doing and unhook it and formulate another concept almost out of scratch and then hook into that one. That's big work. That is huge work. But I feel it in my bones. That's, that's, that's really what the request is. This, again, this isn't about doom and gloom. You know, they say the prophets, uh, there's a great book by uh, Greg Braden. He's a physicist and he writes a lot of cool books. One was called The Isaiah Effect. And in that book, he talks about um, prayer 
and what's really happening in the brain when we, you know, when we pray, like what is the brain doing? And it's a pretty fascinating read, but one, one of the parts he talks about that uh, in the Bible, for instance, that whenever there's a prophets who are prophesizing, uh, you know, the way we tend to think about prophets is they know the future and they're telling you it's the future's coming and that it's an unavoidable thing. So hopefully you can like make some moves and avoid it avoid being sucked up in that, you know, event. But he said, what they're really saying is what prophets really were able to do is to look at the behaviors and activities that we're doing now and look all the way through to what the outcome would be down the road. So it wasn't so much about that. It was, a, 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 you know, prophets weren't so much ta talking about what was definitely going to happen and to run for the hills as much as they were saying, uh, if we don't change what we're doing now, there's an unavoidable outcome that will come from it. And I like that a lot because, again, I'm just me and I can make some changes. I can make more changes and they're, they're subtle, they're small. I mean, I, I, <laughs> when I recycle, I, you know, I, I drive a relatively economical gas car after giving up my old, old pickup truck that had horrible gas mileage. Actually, it was taken away from me. I, I told it. And I really wanted to get another one because I loved that truck and it was a huge part of my identity and it represented freedom and all this other stuff. And it was painful to let go of that concept of what having an old foil drive truck meant to me. But I did it. And not by myself. A lot of, a lot of things came into the mix. Um, economically, I didn't really have the money to get into another old truck like that because they require a lot of money to fix up. And I didn't really have that money and to, and to have another vehicle available when it, that thing was getting fixed up. Um, that was the big one, right? And that was just, uh, you know, to me, that was just like the universe kind of waiting for an opportune time to get me on track because I wasn't going to get rid of that truck. I was determined I was going to drive that truck until it, the wheels fell off. And it took me a good three or four months to really let go I, where I stopped looking for the ideal fix it up truck in the want ads and settled into like, all right, get something more fuel efficient. And, um, and now I'm driving around, you know, it's still not the ideal, what I consider should be what I should be driving. Um, but it's a, it's a major leap away from a 15 mile per gallon old pickup truck and it's used it's not new right because there was definitely like oh yeah i should get a used car my dad uh, worked for gm he retired there i get a, a small discount not you know a decent discount on new vehicles and i could have got into something new if i really really wanted to but then i was thinking like well what's the difference between you know an old pickup truck that gets terrible mileage and it's putting a lot of carbon into the air and you know the uh, the embedded cost of producing a new vehicle all the industries and the emissions involved in the industries that create a brand new vehicle there's really the you know two ends of the same circle and so now i'm driving something that i you know it's fine it's it's nice it's great it's a it's a mazda all-wheel all drive mazda's uh, compact suv gets 30 miles to the gallon it's comfortable it will take me down like 80% of the roads that I would have taken my truck down when I go out gallivanting. Um, there's a few roads that I definitely can never go down in that thing that I would have no problem going down in my old truck. But those roads, you know, those, you had to go looking for those roads a lot of the time. And it uh, wasn't something I spent a lot of time doing. So all things considered, I, you know, long story to say that it was painful and scary to disidentify from what driving an old pickup truck meant. People loved that truck too. Like I felt good because, you know, it had like trail doors on it and it had a lift in it and it had, I had up, you know, articulated the suspension. It was a very capable, cool looking truck, an old Toyota. And uh, people would comment it all the time. That made me feel good. And uh, no one comments on my Mazda. <laughs> Nobody. And that was, uh, and that really is kind of what's gotten me on this, you know, opened the door onto this thread of like, okay, what other areas in my life 
have I identified to a concept or a message that um, does not work in the world of the future? And if I don't want, if I want, if I want to be a good citizen of the planet, I need to, I need to start doing that homework more. Uh, another target, Amazon or any other company that's shipping packages. And uh, I use Amazon. I'm sure we all do. And I'm not saying that buying things online is bad and should go away. But there's definitely a better way that can be done, right? And do I need all the things that I buy online? Probably not. Probably not. There's books I buy online. It's like, oh, could I have gone to the library and just check that book out? Yeah, probably could have. Would have been way less of an emissions issue if I had drove the eight miles to the library and gotten the book rather than <laughs> all the industry involved and the people involved and the buildings involved and the vehicles involved to get that one book from some warehouse in the Midwest out to me in California. So little things like that, thinking in different ways um, and looking for the low-hanging fruits. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into all the ways we can do it because it's different for everybody. We're all kind of embedded in our, our, our visions of what life we want our life to look like. And, and if you're anything like me too, uh, the cl climate change issues really haven't touched me yet other than the gas pump, maybe, and maybe the supermarket a little bit, but I haven't really had, I haven't been, climate change hasn't forced me to change my lifestyle right? Other factors have. And so to, there's a little bit of a, of, a, of a disassociation I have too, where, it, it, you know, for, for anyone out there who's feeling that tr the truth of that too, you know, doing this kind of work to realign your lifestyle to a world that is more sustainable, if it's not happening, if, you know, if you're not really feeling it anywhere, um, that's really just a, that's just sheer choice. That's just a sheer choice of consciousness and a, and a willingness to, to make, uh, you know, uncomfortable change on behalf of the rest of the world. So I just want to acknowledge that. And if you uh, don't have kids like me, uh, that's another, it's another thing where it's hard to really find the emotional connection as to what's going to motivate me to make those changes, to do that work, to do that scrutinizing of my lifestyle and to uh, challenge myself to drop con concepts and associations to imageries and pictures of what it means to have a good life for new ones. If I, if I don't have some kind of tangible, you know, reason to kids are a good one. Right. Um, I mean, you know, look at the challenges that just the next generation alive right now is faced with. You know, by the time the elementary kids get into college or out of college and they're, you know, it's about 20 years from now, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say what, they are, what they're going to be uh, encountering and, and, the change, and the changes they're going to have to make. Right? If, if we're still pursuing uh, a, a picture of a lifestyle that we grew up with today, right now, they're, they're looking at that and they don't, maybe they're getting a little bit of an understanding that that lifestyle isn't going to work, but they're kids. They really can't make the, you know, they don't have the, uh, the emotional intellectual dexterity to understand that they need to be thinking differently right now. So finding a way to make those changes now, just that, that becomes a visual example for kids coming up today to see that it's what they need to start doing too, right? You know, that's just, that's just the whole way life works. Like we mentor the youth, you know, we elder the young, the next generation, and they will take on the values um, that they are taught. And that's all of our responsibility. Um, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, if you've got social media presence out there, then you're putting something into the world. You're putting a message into the world, whether you realize it or not. And who knows who sees your stuff and who hears your stuff. 
And when you think about the ways that our world needs to change in order to create, uh, you know, a world that is hospitable to the next generations, um, what are you going to say? What are you going to put out there? When I grew up, when I was little, climate change wasn't a thing, right? I, I you know, have distinct feelings and memories of just being little and we lived out in the country rurally and summers it's just like you ran outside it was hot you went swimming uh you know just never ever thought about ever it just didn't even hear about it anywhere no one talked about it like the, the, the planet was awesome the planet was great the seasons worked the systems worked um it just was not a thing Kids today, uh, in 2020, New Jersey became the first state to uh, basically, they now include climate change curriculum in their public schools throughout the entire state of New Jersey, K through 12. So five-year-olds are coming in and finding out that they're living on a dying planet. <laughs> Right? Imagine the emotional stress. I can't, I can't even imagine not only just like how that would be just so disorienting to such a young mind like that, but then to think about like how does that even affect their, the trajectory of their life going forward, growing up in that mindset. Like I didn't really get into that mindset until, you know, probably my late 20s where I started to really kind of think about like, oh, the environments and, you know, these things are important and choices make a difference. And, and I had all this, you know, I had the benefit of being an, an adult and ex life experience behind me and, and capacity to sort of, you know, pay attention to how to take care of myself when I was getting worked up about big things. Um, a five-year-old, no idea. I just, I can't imagine, you know, we have the benefit if you're somewhere around my age, you had the benefit of like living a good chunk of your life, feeling what it's like to be, to feel safe and secure living on a planet, right? We have that. Um, these next generations, they're, they're going to come into the world and not have that. They're not going to get that grounding, that, that emotional foundation that they can fall back on when crazy stuff like the hurricane that just hit Florida happened or when they tell us that, I don't know if you caught this over the summer, but, you know, as the, um, was it Lake Mead, that big reservoir in the West that's been drying up, serves five states. Um, there's, so these five, five water boards for these five states were uh, told by the federal government to like have a summit and figure out how they were going to make new laws to govern this issue with that water not being available. The, the water can't meet the, the quotas that those five states have from that water source. And they were sitting on it and sitting on it. And then finally the federal government said like, hey, if you don't figure out by this date, the federal government's gonna come in and tell you how it's gonna be, right? So big changes. And I think they were sitting on that, those board, water boards were sitting on that because it's just so mind blowing. It's traumatizing. Like there's, there's no precedent. We don't have any precedent for that in our modern world about entire states not having, you know, millions of people uh, being threatened with not having enough water. Um, it happened with the floods in Mississippi, somewhere in Mississippi this summer where that huge storm came through and it flooded all their sewer systems and they didn't have water. The whole city didn't have water for almost a week, fresh water. Meanwhile, there's like, you know, a meter of water out in the streets and in, you know, the basements of their homes. I mean, there's irony for you right there. So, I think the main thing I want to convey here is that each of us have a choice. If you're listening to this podcast, um, you've got a lot of choice in your life. You have empowerment. Um, you have facility, you have support. So you know you have choice. And if you're out there in the world pursuing 
a certain life for yourself that looks a certain way, I'm really asking you, are you willing to really take a close look at it and to acknowledge that so much of what you want to create for yourself is going to cost resources and industries that we as a species across the planet can't really support going into the future in the way that we do them now. And to know that, um, you know, they're not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think like if you're hoping to have a really nice house and a big fat piece of property, um, (laughs) and travel the world and have your own clothing line. Sure. That still might be possible in a sustainable way, but I don't think it's going to be in our lifetime. Hate to say it. So again, looking at that image and that those feelings that we you know, attach to that image of what it means to be living a good life and be willing to do the hard work, the scary work to sit down and really do inventory and pull it apart and unhook, unhook those feelings for that image. Unhook from all the things we believe we have to do uh, to achieve the manifestation of that thing that then gives us that feeling. You know, if you go camping at all, uh, the whole point of camping is to, you know, get in touch with a simple life, right? Minimalist. I mean, some people go out there all whole hog. But in general, if you go camping, you know, you're kind of roughing it. You're just taking the minimal things you need, simple foods, simple materials. You're out in nature and it feels great. It feels great. You get that feeling of fulfillment and peace and calm and connection. And then we come back and we step right back into our sophisticated complex life and, and that feeling goes away. What does that tell you? Listen, I sat behind a computer for 24 years doing special effects work for TV shows and all kinds of cool stuff. Made really good money. And uh, for better or worse, I didn't hang on to a lot of that money, so it's not around right now. And I don't do that work anymore. And as I was saying, I'm living a very simple life right now in this yurt wood fire stove, not working a lot, so I don't have a lot of money. And I gotta tell you, there's not much difference in the emotional experience of what the good life feels like between that busy life I was living, driving, commuting every day, sitting behind a computer for hours every day, um, you know, buying clothes that look cool at the job, uh, doing all these things. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Felt great, looked great, great memories. And the way that I feel today about the life I have now feels equally great, looks different. Making new memories for the future. But again, think about that 8 billion people. That's really kind of the take home is, uh, I get it, there's gonna be some Anger, thinking about the people who got to live the way they wanted to live and who messed up the system. And then there's those of us who are gonna have to make the hard decision to say, to to acknowledge that we can't in good faith live those lifestyles in those systems um, and be the trailblazers to go through the difficulty and the the discomfort of forging new ways, being willing to be disciplined and committed to turn the Titanic, uh, just solely on the behalf of the next generation, right? Is that enough? Is that enough for you? So yeah, it's a beautiful fall. Get out and take a walk, take a journal. Ask yourself some of these questions. When you think about living the good life, you know, think about all the things you're putting in, the message you're putting out there. You know, if you're offering programs, 
looking at the message that you're sending about why your program is good. Um, whatever career you're doing, looking at the, the value, actual value of your career beyond the money it brings, right? What industry are you working in? Is it part of the problem on some level? Is it worth all the embedded energy that it takes just for you to have that career? Thinking about the commute, um, uh, travel involved, the machinery or you know, whatever it takes for you to actually just do your job. And again, I've heard it said that, uh, one book I was reading, it said that I was talking about hypnosis and the premise was that, well, we don't go somewhere and get put under hypnosis. Hypnosis really is, that was a nice flicker back there. I think he's letting everybody know I'm coming through. Hey buddy. So the premise is <clears throat> that hypnosis is just all the time. We're, we're always under some hypnosis, some state of mind, some perceived reality. All of our visions and feelings and emotions all are one state of mind. And that when we go and get put, quote, under hypnosis, what we're really doing is like we're literally just changing the channel. It's changing the channel in the TV of our minds. You know, kind of going back to the idea of like what makes you laugh. Like you might always have just laughed at ironic things, but maybe if, you know, you open, you know, change the channel to uh, laughing at puns, you would get to laugh at puns too. And the experience of laughing, you know, the experience of laughing is the experience of laughing. It doesn't really matter what's making you laugh on a certain level. So being willing to, to be open to that. And recognizing that, you know, getting out into nature to, to stripping down a life, not, you know, to letting go of these attachments to keep up with the Joneses or, you know, having the right clothes or going to the right restaurants or traveling to the right cities and just all that other stuff that's just out there in the world, um, just poking at our egos, just being willing to put that down and just to find, you know, to be finding ways to, to develop that peace and comfort and purposefulness and fulfillment just in, with inside. It's all inside. <laughs> and to recognize that the, the connection, that the easy access we have to that just by getting out in nature. And, and the more that we can actually connect, right? So not just taking a, you know, a fast walk down a trail for exercise, but really taking a slow walk not for exercise at all, but just to be in the experience of, you know, like I am now, just feeling these bushes kind of grab me as I walk by and hear the sound of the crunching grass under my feet and the voice of that flicker back there. And to think that that flicker knew that I was there, that flicker knows that I'm here. I've been seen. I've been seen by another another creation another species and I talked back to it and when I really pay attention to doing that oh my gosh like the sense of connection and belonging and peacefulness I feel and it didn't take anything at all it didn't take all this other stuff that we're doing out there in our modern worlds trying to create that scenario with all this resource and energy and time just came from being out here. All right. I hope this is making some sense. And uh, I'm such a huge advocate for this work. I'm doing this work myself. It's hard. Oh, it's really thick through here. What's the metaphor? 
but I, I, I really, I want to share the journey with people. It's, it's less, it's not so hard to do this work if you know you're not doing it alone, right? A big part of what makes it hard for me to do this kind of work is to knowing that most everyone I know doesn't really understand it. And for me to actually take action on these things for myself, um, the byproduct is me being less connected to my community, less connected to my friends, less connected to my family even, because um, for better or for worse, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's fringe thinking. I get it, I get it. And maybe I'm way off in the field, but I don't think so. Because as I said, uh, the way I feel right now of just being out here in this beautiful place and, and just allowing myself to be affected by just the direct contact with nature. Nothing can make me feel better than that. Nothing can make me feel better than that. Sure, I can find it in the modern world, moments of it. But again, the amount of resource, energy, and effort it takes to recreate a scenario in order to get what I get just from coming out here and in context that already exists. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, we don't have to pursue it. It's already here. It's already here. We're just looking in the wrong, not, I don't want to say wrong direction. We're not looking at the source of it. Put it that way. All right. So, love to hear comments. Opinions, shares. Uh, it's hard to put all this in words because it's um, you know I think a lot about it, and then it feels clear in my head. Then I go to say the words, and it gets kind of clunky. I've been doing some writing on it too, so maybe I'll figure a way to kind of put it into words better. But if anything's resonating with this with you about this, I would love to hear from you. And uh, and uh, yeah. The challenge is, are you willing to sit down and take a look at this for yourself? And I'm curious to, to hear what you'll see. Thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. That is the show for today. Um, I really hope you got something out of it. And as I said there in the close, uh, I really would love to hear from people. Um, you know, I, I get uh, every now and then I uh, get to talk to somebody who's you know caught an episode or more of this and uh, of First Nature, and uh, it's it's great to hear the feedback. It's great to hear uh, what people are getting from it, and um, and more than anything, more than just a, a voice being out there, I really, you know, I I do this podcast because I want to be in conversation about this stuff with other people. Like I'm not really trying to be just some, you know, voice up in an ivory tower talking about what everybody should be doing. You know, this is how I'm trying to live my life. And if you know anything about the power of community and uh, incorporating one's beliefs and philosophies and convictions into their daily life, uh, it takes, you need people around supporting you to do that. And they need people like me and anyone else to support them in doing it for them, right? That's how it works. That humans are a social creature. So uh, please, um, yeah, let me know what you think. I would love to hear some feedback. In the meantime, if you did, if you if you did get something out of this podcast, at least just hit the like button and uh, consider subscribing to the Rising Man uh, podcast in general. Uh, we got some great shows on there. Um, Jetty Azuma, the founder, has got a, a great interview program, sort of the flagship program on the channel. Um, there's also a Monday morning meditation. Every Monday morning, there's like a, a great little 10 or 15 minute uh, share from Jetty, just, uh, uh, you know, food for thought to kind of get your week started. Also, uh, Phil Gomez has a great uh, channel called uh, Fam Life, and it's just talking about what it means to be a father, especially if you're a man of color and what it takes to be um, you know, someone who's, who's invested in the legacy of their lineage and what it means to be a dad and a papa and a husband in today's age. So, um, and then of course there's first nature here, this program here, just uh, hoping to bring all that together 
and remind us that all this is happening uh, on the surface of this planet and we need to take care of it. Otherwise, we don't get to do any of it. So again, check out the podcast channels and um, subscribe, hit the like button, write a review, write all that stuff. There's uh, men out there who are looking, if you're, if you're listening to these shows and you're getting something out of it, um, there are other men and probably women too, even though we you know, kind of direct this energy towards men, um, who would maybe appreciate, you know, finding this showing up in their threads. So last thing I'll say before I go is just a big thank you to Mark and Julian. Mark and Julian are the two men <clears throat> hacking away behind the computers who basically take uh, everything we do for the podcast and a lot for the whole Rising Man community as far as the website and the YouTube channel and, and all that stuff. And um, they're editing it down. They're making it look good. They're making it sound good. They get it up on time. They get it in front of you. So a big shout out to those two men. I guess that's it for now. So again, thank you for listening. Looking forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, you can find out more about who you are inside by getting outside. I'm Sean Barry. Thanks for listening.